This morning we're celebrating a baptism. Yeah. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we're all excited. And uh, it, in a sense, I want to talk about what it's about, but I actually don't, in this first part, don't really want to talk about baptism at all. Because if baptism is something that is a decision or something that Heather has done, then it's problematic. In fact, it's uh, in fact pointless. In fact, it could even be dangerous. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Is that a funny way to start talking about baptism? It's not about Heather, but it's not. We celebrate in baptism something that has happened to her, something that's happened for her, something that Jesus has done, uh, something that God has done for her. And that is completely grounded in the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus, the finished work of Christ. And uh, it is, it is, it, it, if baptism is something about a change that we've brought in our life, it's on very shaking ground. Because if I bring a change in my life, then I've got to uphold it. So, and if I bring a change in my life, let's just say I've become as holy as God in my own strength. You're supposed to laugh. Yeah. And then I've got to keep that holiness going for the rest of my life. Yay. What a celebration that would be. That's basically a celebration of death. It's not a resolution or a decision. It's not even a hope or a desire. And we use water that doesn't even cleanse or wash. How about that? Does it sound like I'm bagging baptism? I'm not. It's a sign of what God has done and that Heather and that we enter into by faith, simply trusting what God has already done. Okay. With that in mind, this morning's passage is uh, one of my favourites and it's really all about what God has done for us through Jesus and it's the heart of baptism without mentioning the word. So how about that? So I'm going to read from Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained in an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works out all things in, a, in according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. It's all to the praise of his glory, isn't it? Father, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that it would be for the praise of your glory, 
that as we talk about your greatness, the greatness of all that you've done and who you are, that you would be glorified in our hearts. And Father, that we would long to worship you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. He starts off this passage with a whole lot of blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's a lot of blessing, isn't it? All come to us through God. Now, this is not hashtag blessed. Do you know what hashtag blessed is? My life is wonderful. I just got the right boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Everything's happy. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about, uh, yeah, it's not talking about Instagrammers. It's not, um, it's not a blessing which is a temporary blessing of this world, one that will disappear, one that has no value in eternity, um, like money, success, good health. We all love those, don't we? They are temporary. They are fading, and they don't rate a mention compared to the blessings that come to us in the heavenly places through Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Right? We may enjoy them, but if we don't, it doesn't matter because they're not that important. And if we make them important, they can easily become an idol to us. In other words, something that gets in the way of us worshipping God. So that's even worse. So, how about that? It's good to be poor, unsuccessful and have bad health. (laughs) And to have the blessings that come through Jesus Christ, which is what I want to talk about today. Blessed be the Father of God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. This is the blessings we're getting to now, and the rest of the passage, it's all blessing. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Jesus chose you. Are you a Christian? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Jesus chose you. Hang on. Is that a contradiction? You put your faith in Jesus. He chose you that you might put your faith in him. Okay. Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Yeah. Do you want to have assurance as a Christian? I'll say it again, if you look to your behaviour, yourself, your works, your achievements, maybe a good personality, extremely funny with jokes like I am, um, if you look to that as the basis for why you are a Christian, yeah, you will lose your assurance. You will have great doubts, perhaps even worse. So start with this. There is a reason you're a Christian. God chose you. Hmm, how about that? You should stop and marvel at that because that is awesome. How can you not have assurance when he chose you? We long to be loved in our lives. We long to have someone choose to love us, don't we? To accept us, to, to uh, give themselves to us, to, in a sense, serve us, even though we have failures. Uh, we, we have, what is that word, four, four boils or something like that? Four, I don't know how to do it. Four, yeah. Issues, we have issues. And, and all the problems we see in our character and we wish we looked different and, uh, and all that and, and all the regrets we have and all of that, 
Okay? We long to have someone who's just take us as we are. Yeah. By the way, God doesn't take you as you are. That's unfortunate, is it? No? It's, it's actually a lie, Christian. God loves you just the way you are. No, he, didn't, he doesn't love you just the way you are. He loves you so much that he sent his son not to leave you the way you are. Do you get that? He doesn't love you with all the mess. He cleans up the mess and he loves you because he chose you and it's all good. Can you see that? We long to be loved and the king of the universe has chosen to love us, the creator, the father of all. You should go, yay, just a little bit in this. It's very good. Okay. What can take you out of this love? Nothing. Thank you. Okay. When did he choose us? Now, this is a bit heavy. Before the foundation of the world. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You don't need to understand that, but you can just believe it. It's true. Yeah. But at least know this. If you were chosen before you were born, what peace that will give you. Again, this is all about assurance today. God had you in mind through Christ before the beginning. Uh, Another passage which talks about this, which is 1 Peter 1, I've I've cut it down a little bit, uh, but it says, You were ransomed from your futile ways with the precious blood of Christ, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through you are believers in God and and who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in God. God has a plan, and it includes you. Yep. As I say, we don't have to understand that, but when you believe it, you're going to have a good life. And it says, it doesn't just say... You were chosen, it says you were chosen in him, meaning in Jesus. Again, you you cannot be chosen without him. Why? Because you are unholy and guilty and full of sin. You, we, includes me too. Okay? God could not just choose us because his holiness demands that he cannot choose someone who is unholy, who is full of blame and guilt and sin. So that person has to have eternal separation from his presence, which is what we all deserve. Every one of us. Okay? But God has done something through his son amazing. Jesus took our place of judgment and punishment. He took the punishment for our sins because God's holiness said you can't have sins go unpunished. So Jesus took God's wrath in our place for the sin that we deserve, as Paul says here, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So if you're holy and blameless, anybody here holy and blameless? Put up your hand if you're in Christ. Okay, you are in Christ. We can't be that of ourselves. We don't even have the desire to be that. We would run the other way. But Jesus has done something for us, as Hebrews says, once and for all. Right? Once and for all. Are you feeling any assurance here, Christians? Yeah, you should be. Have you sinned? While you're a Christian, have you sinned? Have you sinned this morning? Yeah, have you thought bad thoughts about me since I've been standing here? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't know if better than him. Um, you probably do. Right. 
Does your sin trouble you and haunt you? Once for all means what you have done this morning and what you will do tomorrow has been once and for all taken away. On the cross, once and for all, by Jesus. All gone, put your faith in him. It's all yours. There is the only peace and assurance that we have. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Jesus is dense. Like this is a lot in this passage. And uh, I can't explain it all today. But start with in love, God loves you. Yep. And because of Christ, he likes you too, by the way. We sometimes say that because we think sometimes we love people we don't really like. Uh, The eternal God loves you. That's why he sent his son for you. And often when we think about ourselves with love, we think about lovability. Am I lovable? And when you think about yourself like that, you'll go, hmm, yep, am I lovable? That's not actually the right question because... In Christ you are loved. And that's that. And you were predestined. Oh, isn't that a great word? How much controversy over the world word predestined is there? Right? Predestined quite simply means that God had a preset plan for you. Your eternal destiny was set before you were even born. We're actually told that a lot of times in Scripture. So just believe it. Oh, well, you could change what the meaning of the word is. That'll, that'll help. Actually, if you do, you're better off really just getting a Sharpie and cross it out right now in every place you see it. And there's a number of other passages. Talk to me afterwards. You're going to have to cross out too. Just believe it. God has done that. He has chosen us. He has a preordained destiny before you even knew it. Yep. There's assurances. There's security. There's certainty. In love, he predestined us for adoption, adoption into his family, children of God, having a father. Yeah. Whether you come from a reliable family or you come from a family where you have no father, you have the father, right, who's of greater value than any other father, right, and he's the only perfect father. If, you've had, if you come from a family with a, a good father, often you get more mixed up about the fatherhood of God because you, you think of God like your father. And God's nothing like your father. He's a whole lot better than that. Do you understand? You have a father. You are loved as children. Uh, adoption is a permanent entry into a family. It's not something to be taken away. God's not going to go, well, I'm going to divorce you now. I saw what you did yesterday. Okay? It's a permanent bringing into a family. You are adopted You have the full rights to the inheritance, which is what he goes on to say. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Now, if you're a female and you're sitting here thinking, oh, I don't want to be a son. How weird, you can't change sex, despite what people say. Um, That's just a social comment, ignore that. But, okay, the reason he uses sons is because the sons were were the heirs of the day. They, they were the ones who inherited the farm, okay? And even you daughters will be, will be inheritors of the farm, inheritors of all that you have in Christ, and you'll stay female, which is nice to hear. I'm sure you're glad about that. Okay, according to the purpose of his will, this is all God's will. It is his desire. It is 
something, if it's God's will, his permanent will, there is nothing that can unchange it or upset it or turn it over. Are you still feeling assurance here, people? Yeah? Good. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Do you know what life's about? The glory of God. You know what you were made for? Some of you are Presbyterians. What's the chief end of man? Huh? To glorify God and enjoy him forever? Is that the catechism? What's the point of your life? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. You Presbyterians need to do some work. Um, That's what you're made for. Because when you are glorifying God, you are not just at your best. All of life is right. And when you're glorifying yourself, it's full of muck. It's useless. Okay? It's about glorifying God. And when you glorify God, you know who you are and you know where you're supposed to be and everything is good. Okay? If you live for your own glory, ultimately you will lose everything because you have nothing of worth. Life is about the glory of God and he is glorious beyond anything we can imagine. And even if you were to spend your whole life glorifying him, that's only a minuscule amount compared to the glory of God. He is far and above anything. We, we live in a world which talks so much about satisfaction and fulfilment. Are you fulfilled? Yeah, just glorify God. Yeah, just live in that, okay? Live in what he's done for you. Give up on that. Your fulfilment, whatever you dream of fulfilment or satisfaction come from, it doesn't come from there. It comes from being a child of God and glorifying him and coming under him and that's it. Okay. To the praise of his glorious grace. Now, what grace is? Grace is God's undeserved action to us. There was not a thing that we did to earn grace. Uh, Same with mercy. Mercy, if you do anything, if you have any part in why you have grace or mercy, that's not mercy or grace. It's just not it. Okay? But if you've done nothing at all to deserve it, okay? So it's not that we were got like God's saying, I'm just going to wait until I start to turn the corner, right? While we were yet sinners, while we were saying to God, you know, we don't want you, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. While we were his enemies, he died for us. We hadn't turned the corner. We we were running the other direction. Grace is at the, the heart of God's character. Do you understand that? Grace is not what you will see in this world. Nothing in this world works by grace. It's by rewards and actions and earning and deserving. Grace is God gives us what we don't deserve. And he doesn't give us what we do deserve. We deserve eternal punishment. He doesn't give us that. And he gives us sonship, daughtership, if that's a word. He brings us into his family. Grace is ultimately known... Through Jesus Christ. You can only really know the grace, the love of God through looking at Jesus, who is the exact representation of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, says Jesus. And what was Jesus like? The one who gave up his life for his people as a free gift. That is grace. You want to understand glorious grace to spend the rest of your top life studying Jesus. Yep. That won't be a mess. That'll be great. 
And I know some people say, well, yeah, but you've got to take that grace. Right. So just imagine, I've got a suitcase. You've got to receive it. I've got a suitcase with a million bucks in it. He asked, Scotty, take it. And, and Scott reached out his hand and takes it. Big deal. Wow, that's all Scott. I, can t- I took it. You receive what God's given you. It's a great gift. Do you get it? We're always trying to say, how good am I? Look what I've done. I've received it. Yeah, yeah wow. Because this is a grace he has lavished on us. In other words, we weren't saying, oh, give it to me and I'll take the suitcase. He was pouring on us like a bucket of water. Yeah, We were just getting wet in it. It's a gift that he chooses to give. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Redemption. A price was paid for our life. That price was the blood of Jesus. That price was the death of Jesus. How much did it cost God to buy you back, to restore you, to forgive you? It cost him the life of his son. A huge price was paid for you. And he has brought the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins. Again, I'm going to ask you something. I've already told you. You know the answer. What percentage of your sins over your whole lifetime, including what's going to come to you, has been forgiven? All of them. Right. Really? No, it's a bit... No, I can't believe that. I know you. You've got problems. Yeah? No, no, no. 100% forgiven. Could you hear that? In accordance with the riches of his grace. It is rich. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Yep. You know, uh, Jesus died on the cross to uh, forgive our sins. And we say that, that is the gospel and it kind of, it is part of the gospel. But that is actually a means to an end. The end was that we are reconciled to the Father and we have a relationship with him. He didn't just forgive your sins so that you could sit here and be holy on your own. He, he forgave your sins that you might know God and be in a relationship with him. It's, it's a means to an end. And, and, and when you receive that, it is the most wonderful thing to live in a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. As the Spirit leads you, and we'll, we'll talk about the Spirit in a minute. Okay, he's lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. God has shown us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. God has a plan to bring you salvation. Right, we haven't used that word, we will in a minute, have we? Is that in there? Yeah, anyway. But he doesn't just save you, he wants you to know that you are saved. He wants to reveal it to you so that you live in the fullness it is to be children of God, knowing that Jesus has forgiven you. Do you get that? He doesn't just love you. You know how people oh, I know he loved me, but he never told me. Right? God loves you and he tells you. He makes it known to you. His Holy Spirit reveals to you, you are children of the Father and Jesus has forgiven all your sins and you're accepted and loved. He wants you to know that. You have been chosen, forgiven and loved and this is a great spiritual blessing and you were bought at a great cost. Making known the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ 
as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's talking about the end when God is going to bring the new heavens and the new earth and he's going to restore everything. His plan extends right to the end. You know the revelation, we're studying that as we go at the moment. It's got, it talks about the very end. That means it's in God's plan. He's not bumbling along. Gee, I hope they get there. He's made a plan and he's taken us to it. Isn't that good? And what's it going to be? A new heaven and a new earth. Everything restored. The children of God ruling over creation as they were designed to right in the beginning. He's restoring all things. In the meantime, there will be a judgment day before the end or right at the end. And if you believe in Jesus, if you trust in him, judgment day has already come. Judgment day for those who believe is the day of the cross. When you believe in him, your judgment for all of your sin has happened. Okay. And he has given you his righteousness, his justification already. You will enter into the new creation. You will live forever in a relationship with God the Father. And all things will be unified. How are we going? We're not getting tired of this yet. You just like if you just spent the next five years studying this passage, you'll be happy. Happy people. In him we have obtained an inheritance. We've talked about that. Having been predestined, we've talked about that, according to the purpose of him who works out all things according to the counsel of his will. He works out all things according to the counsel of his will. Right. Do you need an encouragement in your life? He works out all things in accordance with the counsel of his will. Does your life seem to be out of control? Lots of days. Yep. Does Australia seem to be out of control? Does the world seem to be out of control? Yep. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. All. Surely it doesn't mean all. It just means some things, right? He works some things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He is control. He is ruling over things. You know, if you read the news on Facebook... You won't find out anything okay, of any value. But if you were to read it anywhere else, you might hear there are wars, there are disasters, right? But you never hear this. A journalist has just informed us that God is in control of all things, so relax, everybody. Do you ever hear that at the end of a news story? That the Channel 7 News finished with that, has it got a little line down the bottom? BTW, God in control. Doesn't finish with that. Yeah? God's got a copyright over history. Yeah? He is in control. What do you face in your life? We know that promise that for all who love him, who have been called and taught into his purposes, his children, he works all things for good. We want to define what all and good mean, right? All and good means cruisy, easy, everything, blessing, hashtag, right? No, he defines what all and good is, but you can know it's good in his plans. Are you getting this? Thank you. In him we've obtained an inheritance. Sorry, Paul says this whole section, I didn't tell you this at the start, in Greek it's one sentence. He doesn't even have a full stop. That's why I've got to keep overlapping. He gets excited and he just blurts it all out. It's like, I don't know, where do you stop here? No, I don't even want to put a comma in. Not that there are any punctuation in ancient Greek. Anyway, but it's all one sentence. Okay. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works out all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we 
who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Again to the praise of his glory. That's the third time. Hope. Hope looks forward to the future. If you have no hope, you'll die. You have nothing to live for. Okay? Hope looks forward and he has given us a hope that the future is secure and sure. Whatever it looks like, it's going to be good. Okay? It's going to be good. Whatever you face, it's going to be good. Our hope is not a hope, I hope I win the cross lotto, which is about one in six million... Well, actually, it's no chance because we'll never go in it. But it's not that sort of vain hope. This is a hope in something which will happen, which is absolutely sure, which nothing is, nothing can upset. It is the most reliable thing in this world. Do you understand? If you look to anything else, put your hope in anything else or any other person or any other, just anything, it's a waste of time compared to the God who has purposes and plans for us over all creation. Now, does this mean that every person on earth will be saved? Because it might sound like I'm saying that. Uh, No. Uh, He's going to go on and say it's only those who hear the truth of the good news, the gospel, and believe it. The word believe uh, in Greek can be easily trust or faith. It's the same word. It depends how they want to translate it. They put it different ways. When you trust in Jesus, in him, this verse 13 says, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, were saved, it's going to say. The gospel, oh, sorry, it's in there. You gospel of your salvation. Okay. I, if I haven't pushed the point enough, I want to ask one more question of, of someone. Of, of, um, I'm, going to, I, I'm going to pick on Sally, she's safe. Sally, are you a Christian? Yes. Just yes. Yes, I definitely Yeah, right, okay. That's, could, could you say that if you like? I'm a Christian. Do you notice that Sally, I want to tell you what she didn't say. Well, I hope I am. Probably am. I'm working hard on it. I'm heading that direction. I've got a bit to go. Can you say, I am a Christian? Because when you say that, it's all summed up. Your future is secure. Everything is in Christ. You've got the whole lot. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Good. Yep. As a friend of ours used to say, you can't be half pregnant. (laughs) You're either saved or you ain't. Are you in Christ? In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. When you received, when you believed, sorry, you received the Holy Spirit. Check Romans 8 verse 9 in that, which is basically saying, if you believe in Jesus, you have the Spirit, and by the Spirit you believe in Jesus. Why, why do we have to say this? Because some Christians say, and they seem to say that, well, you, you sort of become a Christian and then later on you get the turbo boost of the super Holy Spirit, uh, you know, coffee drink that really gives you... Yeah, no, 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 no. Right? When you believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's cool, isn't it? You've got everything from God. It's not a second blessing. There's not kind of your second-rate mediocre Christians and then the really good ones. Yeah? It's not like forward ones that go really fast and then the hold ones which break down all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay. You received the Holy Spirit when you believed in him. God intimately with you. God leading you, guiding your life. He is the seal. Signed, sealed and delivered. Done deal. You have the Holy Spirit. A guarantee that nothing and no one can revoke, not even you. If you know God, the Holy Spirit has shown you God. Yep. If you think that the cross, Jesus dying for you, is a, is, a, is a good idea, you have the Holy Spirit. Because it is the stupidest idea, it is a foolish idea to those who are perishing. But when you think that the cross and you know that the cross is true, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I, I think that sometimes, I, I'll say it again, people focus on the Holy Spirit, give me a power fix and energy and blah, 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 blah. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does in you? He cries out, Abba, Father. What a gift. You know God as the Holy Spirit in you cries out. I tell you, if you're in need, if you're in hardship, if life is hard, Father. Start your prayer with that and you can stop there because you've got everything then. And the Holy Spirit makes known to you what Jesus has done. How good is that? Yeah, if you believe that all your sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit's showing you that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, we're moving right along. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Okay. I just want to say this. What we've heard today is the best news ever. It is worth believing. We could say faith is easy. You just put your trust in Jesus. That's true. Faith is really hard and it'll spend, you'll spend the rest of your time, life working it out. It's hard some days to trust in Jesus when life isn't going the way you want. But he is trustworthy. He is reliable. He is faithful. He has saved you through Jesus Christ. All the blessings we have from God are what we celebrate today in baptism. They have come to heaven. Isn't that good? When did they come to it? When she believed. Yeah. How good is that? Well, actually, how good is God? I'm going to pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for all that you've done for us. We want to praise you for your glorious grace. Thank you that you've given to us what we never deserved, what we never earned. And thank you, Father, that you've given us everything. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us this morning and in our minds and hearts that you would cause us to believe it, that great miracle, and believe it again. That we would go on living by faith, all in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.